Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. As new video surfaces of the latest overpass crash, the NDP government is working on tougher penalties for truckers and trucking companies that damage public infrastructure when they make big mistakes. And as Travis Prasad reports, the opposition says those changes can't come soon enough. Drivers traveling southbound on Knight Street in Richmond are put in serious danger as a truck towing a dump trailer in the raised position slams into the Camby Road overpass. The trailer disconnects, blocking the lane and bringing the morning commute to a grinding halt. Why the trailer was lifted is unclear. Police said last week the driver was not cooperating with the investigation. And there's quite a bit of damage. Overpass collisions are on the rise. In July, an excavator towed by a dump truck collided with the 192nd Street overpass on Highway 1. Falling cement sent two commuters to the hospital. A big chunk of the concrete had hit my face after it went through the window. So I have a pretty extreme amount of dental damage on the right side of my face and facial fractures. The RCMP says the dump truck driver in that incident was slapped with two fines for driving without due care and attention and driving with insecure cargo, charges that come with maximum fines of $368 and $288. The penalties are quite low, so I've asked staff to look at that and to talk to the trucking industry about whether there's something we can do here uh, in, in regards to fines and penalties. He's the minister. He's got to make a decision here. And this is not the first time that this has happened. This has happened multiple times, specifically in the lower mainland. It's caused incredible congestion. To curb the number of crashes, the trucking industry says it needs more data from the province. One of the things we've been calling for is for much greater degree of transparency for these reports so we can find out what's driving it. Is it an issue of training? Is it an issue of enforcement? What is it going to take for people to care? Like, does somebody need to die? In this latest case, no one was hurt, but cracked concrete and guardrails show the damage is significant. Taxpayers will foot the bill for yet another overpass repair. Travis Prasad, Global News. And Transportation Ministry statistics show vehicle strikes, damaging overpasses have spiked considerably in the past couple of years. In the years 2017 through 2020, the numbers were static and quite low, only one or none per year. But in 2021 and 2022, a markedly different story, eight in 21, 15 last year, the ministry says in response to the spike, it's increased its commercial vehicle safety and enforcement patrols with an emphasis on enforcing height restrictions. A guilty verdict has been handed down in a high-profile incident that was caught on video. The VPD arresting a black man for jaywalking on Granville Street five years ago. Jamil Moore-Williams maintained he was targeted because he's black and could have died after being tasered multiple times. And as Grace Key reports, the judge ruled the use of that taser was excessive. 
No, thank you. Have a good day. Vancouver Police Officer Constable Jared Sidhu had no comment after a judge found him guilty of assault with a weapon. In February 2018, Jamil Moore-Williams was jaywalking on the Granville Strip. Officers attempted to arrest him and a struggle ensued. Moore Williams was sitting on the ground struggling with five officers when Sidhu deployed the first of three tasers. The judge felt the threat was reduced at that point and the use of the taser was excessive. The attorney for Moore Williams' human rights complaint spoke about the next steps. So the next stage for uh, Mr. Moore Williams will be the human rights. We are waiting to see if uh, the uh, police uh, lawyers are going to appeal this matter. Uh, currently the matter is on state until this trial was finished, but it could be d delayed further. Uh, we invite the police to settle this matter at this stage and uh, turn their efforts towards uh, training, retraining officers with regards to uses of the taser and uh, uh, dealing with people of color. Vancouver Police stated a Police Act investigation will be resuming as it was suspended during the criminal trial. As such, it would be inappropriate to provide any other details. It looked exciting and it's something I wanted to do ever since I was little. Back in 2016, Sidhu was on Global BC with his father. He was the first second-generation South Asian officer to work on the force alongside his father. Sidhu was on the force for less than two years when the incident unfolded. He has remained on active duty. A police spokesperson says the details of his current status are unclear with the recent guilty verdict. A sentencing date has not been set yet. Grace Key, Global News. The future of the controversial bike lane in Stanley Park could be decided once and for all tonight. Aaron MacArthur is live outside the Park Board office with more on the three proposals that could put this debate to rest or not. Aaron, is it too much to hope that this could be it forever? <laughs> Uh, one can only <laughs> hope, Chris. Let's, yep. A reminder of how we got here first. ABC swept to power on the park board uh, in the fall, and one of the first things they planned to do or said they would do is get rid of the bike lane, which they voted on and then balked at the cost of $400,000 to do that. They asked staff to come up with these three options, and that's where we are right now. Staff came back with three proposals. Option A would see the bike lane removed from the eastern portion of the park and then largely kept in the western part of the park, sort of west of Prospect Point. The cost for that proposal, somewhere north of $500,000. Option B, slightly more bike-friendly in all of this, the, the lane would stay intact mostly throughout the park while improving vehicle traffic flow. Again, the cost on that, somewhere north of $500,000. Option C is the least bike-friendly of the three. It would see the bike lane removed almost entirely and only kept at strategic points uh, at, at safety-controlled uh, intersections, places where there's often bike-vehicle conflicts. The cost for that proposal, somewhere north of 300000 It seems the park board trying to be all things to all people and not doing a very good job of it. You know, our clients and others who have businesses in the park have lost a lot of money. And uh, they simply can't sustain the present situation where they're precluded from having people come to their businesses. There's a way for cars to get around. There's a way for tour buses to get in. And if we had a continuously protected cycle route for cyclists to come around, I think there's a huge opportunity for those businesses. Now, there's no more public input on this. There's no more deliberating. The Park Board Commissioners will look at these three proposals and hopefully vote on one. Option A and B likely could be implemented by summertime. Option C a little sooner than that later this spring. Chris?
All right, look forward to that decision tonight. Thanks very much, Aaron. The NDP government's pro-union infrastructure benefits program continues to create confusion at the new Cowichan Hospital constru construction site. Earlier this month, Indigenous-owned construction companies complained they were being sidelined from the project. But as Richard Zussman reports, BC's health minister says those contractors are free to work on the site. The frustration visible on John Coleman's face. The lip service has got to stop. The respect needs to start. The Cowichan Hospital project is now three years behind schedule. Coleman saga unfolding in question period Monday. The owner of John Co. Contracting and member of Cowichan Tribes banned from working on building the new Cowichan Valley Hospital. The reason? The province community benefits agreement. I watched my stuff get loaded up on a low bed and sent back because I couldn't afford it. I was bleeding money. Community benefit agreements require workers to be unionized to build public infrastructure, but after pressure from Coleman and others, the province will now allow Cowichan tribes to have an exemption to work without being unionized. The problem is, much of the work has already been contracted, far different than when a Cowichan school was built without the community benefit agreement. Working on the Cowichan high school project, 95% Aboriginal build for the first year successfully. Those are real numbers. The NDP brought in the policy requiring workers to sign on to certain unions to build up public infrastructure and allow more opportunities for women and diverse workers including Indigenous communities. But so far, at least in Cowichan, it hasn't worked. So will the Premier end the discriminatory community ripoff agreements that are preventing Indigenous contractors like John Coleman from participating in projects within their traditional territory? Premier David Eby says the benefit agreements are working and training people beyond just established contractors. It's also important to know that almost 20% of the workers on the site are First Nations workers. And that what's been happening right now is that um, these unions have been out in community training couch and workers so that they're able to work skilled trades jobs on the site. Coleman hoping he too will be able to join that workforce and will keep coming back to the legislature until that happens. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Despite its flaws, Canada's premiers have agreed to accept the new federal health care funding offer. And they're now turning their focus to inking their each their own respective bilateral agreements. Keith Baldry joins us live with more on what it means for B.C. What is B.C. hoping to accomplish in this negotiation, Keith? Yeah, you know, this deal fell far short of what the premiers were looking for. But at the end of the day, I think they collectively, in a meeting today, virtual meeting, said, look, we're staring at two, almost $200 billion in new money over the next 10 years, about $46 billion of that is an additional new money over what had previously been promised. So because healthcare is so expensive, this is a lot of money. Here's how it breaks down from BC's perspective. Every province gets a different amount. So BC, again, a 5% lift in the Canada Health Transfer over 10 years is $2.4 billion. The big number is those bilateral agreements, $3.3 billion. Uh, immediate upfront top-up for pediatric wards and emergency rooms are $275 million. And various uh, programs associated with mental health, community care and long-term care, $1.1 so seven, more than $7 billion over 10 years, about $700 million, $700 million a year. We caught up with Health Minister Adrian Dix in the hallway today. He says, look, even though it was far short, it's still a historic deal because so much money is still on the table. Here's the minister. Uh, the federal government uh, has uh, done what it's done. 
and I felt this was a historic opportunity to invest in public health care. They have make their own choices about their priorities, and uh, we're going to take whatever progress we have and continue to invest in people and ensure that people who need care get care. So to put this in perspective, $700 million is a lot of money, but that would run our health care system for about 9 or 10 days. That's how much money we're spending on health care. It's going to go up probably $800 million more in February's budget. February 28th is when we get the latest budget. Health care is going to go up big time. It's going to go up even more now that the feds are contributing even more. It, that's the reality of it. Keith, thanks very much. Okay. An expectant mother who no longer feels welcome in her home. I don't know what they're thinking, but they threatened that I have to put my house up for sale. She found out she was pregnant just before the Strata voted to go plus 55. A shocking reaction from other owners when she told them the news. Next on the News Hour. Welcome to Dunkin' and Special Dunkin' Run Medium or Large Coffee. A special post Super Bowl edition of Satellite Debris with Squires picks for best commercials coming up on the News Hour. It's camaraderie and there's rivalries and it all accumulates here in the beautiful city of Prince Rupert. Plus the basketball tournament that's so much more than that later on the news hour tonight. Right now though less than two months after moving into their new Maple Ridge couple fear they might have to be moved out. They are expecting their very first child but their strata has just approved a 55 plus age restriction and they've been told once their child is born they will have to move. Kamal Karamali reports. For Razan Talibian, the joy of bringing in new life... Uh, we were so excited to find out I was pregnant. ...has quickly turned into a battle to keep her existing life inside her newly purchased townhouse. But now it's just kind of tainted knowing in our complex that we're unwanted here. Talibian and her husband moved into the Colonial West Complex in Maple Ridge late last year. In November, the government removed age restrictions, allowing the couple to buy into the previous 35-plus complex. But Strata then voted last week to become a 55-plus age complex. Although the couple can't stay, they won't allow her child to live there. They threatened that I have to put my house up for sale. And actually, everyone at this meeting were kind of laughing at me, kind of like, who does she think she is? And I said, well, you know, the baby's part of me. Before we even had the special general meeting, they start laughing and they say, well, he's not physically here. Under the rules, Talibian and her husband can't be forced to sell because ownership is not prohibited by an age restriction, but occupancy is. Um, and that could be moving out of the unit, potentially. They could move out and rent the unit and live somewhere else, um, or they might sell. The housing minister says the legislation is on the side of the Strata Corporation, but doesn't agree with the decision. And in this Strata Council needs to give their head a shake. Uh, here you have a young family that's already living in the house. To change the rules, to not allow this person to continue to stay with a child, um, uh, I think they need to rethink their decision. Global News reached out to the Strata manager. You know what, at this point, I cannot comment on anything. But we're only told the council is seeking legal advice on this complicated situation. Now this mother-to-be wondering what the future holds for her newborn. It scares me to think that my baby's going to feel unwanted here. And what might happen if she and her husband want to grow the family even more. Kamal Karamali, Global News. 
Well, British Columbia is home to many strata corporations, according to the BC Land Title and Survey Authority of BC. As of October 2021, there were more than 33,000 strata plans, accounting for more than 720,000 strata units. A major deal between the city and a developer will lead to taller towers and could finally pave the way for the Georgia and Dunsmuir viaducts to come down. Vancouver City Council is being asked to approve a deal with Concord Pacific that will guide the future of development along Northeast False Creek. The area has remained stagnant since a development plan was approved back in 1990. The plan is to build 661 non-market homes on the former Expo lands in just three towers. Concord could then develop waterfront condos on other properties. The company will also contribute $110 million in community benefits, including the removal of the viaducts, potentially. Still ahead, baffling balloons. There is much analysis going on at the highest levels of NORAD. International intrigue with so many unanswered questions about the unidentified floating objects in North American airspace. And Chinatown revitalization, what nearly $2 million can and can't do for Vancouver's struggling historic neighborhood. Good evening. Traffic is steady here at the Patello Bridge in both directions, but do keep in mind there is overnight road work affecting northbound traffic. Renew your ICBC Auto Plan online with BC's most trusted insurance brand. Just select BCAA as your preferred broker. Learn more at bcaa.com slash car. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. Well, it's a good start, but much more has to be done. That's the reaction to a federal government announcement today on revitalizing Vancouver's troubled Chinatown. As Romina Dea reports, some Chinatown businesses say their future in the area is very much in doubt unless the core problems are addressed. The store is open, but the door remains locked for safety reasons. Is the, is the area you actually going to photo? Perry Lam, the owner of Private Co., a new business in Chinatown, says the federal government's investment of $1.8 million into the struggling area is definitely good, but businesses continue to suffer. The biggest issue, drugs. Um, so we've had two attempted break-ins, obviously graffiti that's happened a couple of times. Um, Feces is probably a couple times a week at the very least. This is homemade here? This everything, everything homemade, except the fortune cookie. 43 years and counting, but for how much longer? Susanna Ng was hoping for more relief from the feds for this historic neighborhood. Safety, crime, core issues, which need to be addressed or she'll be forced to close this Chinatown institution. I don't want to move, you know, my heart, you know, I've been telling my heart is in Chinatown. The federal government says the $1.8 million investment to revitalize Chinatown will be used for enhancements, including lighting, flower boxes, and the creation of up to 50 new jobs. We've spoken to multiple business owners who tell us they continue to deal with graffiti, broken windows, feces on their doorsteps. They say that $1.8 million is an insult, and they want to know why it wasn't more. So one is this is not the only thing that from a federal government we're doing uh, with the providing support. Yes, we, for example, we have not addressed a lot of the issues that we're talking about, but this is about how 
uh, we can all uh, come together at different uh, levels of government. I think it will have an impact. It's really an interesting point in history because I see so many people from different levels of government, regardless of political stripe, working in the same direction. It's a step in the right direction, but it's clearly not enough. Uh, oh, I don't okay. know why. Lam says Chinatown is strong, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. It will survive. 100% I do have hope. Romina Dea, Global News. A totem pole taken from the Newhawk Nation more than a century ago is now on its way back from the Royal BC Museum. A repatriation ceremony is taking place over two days in Victoria. The nation says the pole was carved by the late Louis Snow in the late 19th or early 20th century. The museum had acquired it for its collection on the third floor. There were decades of battles. Even a lawsuit was filed for its return. Members of the nation say they are pleased it is returning home after a crane pulled it from the museum. It means that we are finally being heard, that we are finally hearing the messages that the ancestors have been trying to commun communicate with us. Um, it's a big statement that uh, we are still here as New Kalkum people and um, we have work to do. The totem pole will soon make a 1,000-kilometer journey accompanied by a convoy. It's expected to take two to three days, and then another ceremony will welcome the sacred pole back to the central B.C. coast near Bella Coola. Sports and culture collide in a very special basketball tournament underway in Prince Rupert this week. And while it brings together more than 50 Indigenous teams from across the province to compete, and the competition is pretty intense. It's also about bonding through cultural traditions. Imadagahi reports. We're at a time where we're ready to share our culture. We're ready to share our traditions with the world and we're, we're ready for them to be visible because it's something that was taken away. The sound you hear belongs to the Lakalza. Proud village of 500 people chosen to lead the opening ceremony with their ancient songs and dance. On this night, close to 2,000 people have gathered. For some, there is only room to stand. This powerful ceremony officially starts the historic all native basketball tournament. It's known as Holy Week, it's known as Second Christmas. Uh, because uh, I think for a lot of the people, All Native really feels like a gift. Each year, an estimated 4,000 people will travel from First Nations communities across the province to the north coast city of Prince Rupert. Men and women proudly competing on the court for the name and colors of their nation. This is a different type of basketball. This is intense. Oh, he gets hammered from behind. The trophy means everything to those here, but this spectacle of sport and culture is about much more than basketball. I love how we're running the fast break, okay? It is also believed to be the largest indigenous social gathering in the country. Dating back to 1959, only a short time after the lifting of the potlatch ban in Canada, a colonial law designed to suppress indigenous culture by making traditional 
gatherings like this one illegal. They abolished potlatch, they abolished our, our, our culture, they abolished our language, they abolished our, us wearing and singing and dancing and our regalia and all of those different things. They created this tournament in, in, in substitute of that. Put your hand up every time, okay? I played a lot of these guys here. Throughout many decades, the tournament has grown and crowned many champions. I never miss a ball game. Billy Robinson was both a player and a coach, now legend. I like basketball. I love basketball. It's all I ever did. His story, one example of the legacy this tournament allows many here to build. Imadagahi Global News. Great crowd out. Awesome. Up next, unidentified flying objects. The search for answers about what's been floating over North American airspace. Plus, try T-Mobile. It sets up so fast. Singing Super Bowl ads, the best of the best, curated by our own Squire Barnes. Steady traffic in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge tonight, but still dealing with volume eastbound on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. Interest you in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. The mystery is deepening over now four objects shot down from the sky over both Canada and the United States. U.S. defense officials provided a small update today while recovery teams in the Yukon and Alaska are working to gather what remains of the unidentified objects. Global's Reggie Giacchini has more. The airspace over North America remains under heightened interest after two objects were downed in the Arctic and one over Lake Huron in a span of just three days. There is much analysis going on at the highest levels of NORAD in both Canada and the United States to try and understand more. It's still unknown where these objects came from, and U.S. defense officials aren't sure how they stay airborne. They're in a more dangerous low-altitude zone, posing a threat to commercial air traffic, but it's not believed that these latest objects could surveil, though it hasn't been ruled out. That's why it's so critical to get our hands on these so that we can further assess and analyze what they are. On Monday, China's foreign minister said these recent objects are unknown to Beijing and instead accused the U.S. of flying balloons in its airspace, saying America should undergo self-reflection. We are not flying surveillance balloons over China. I'm not aware of any other craft that we're flying over uh, into Chinese airspace. Recovery operations are still underway, with northern efforts spanning hundreds of kilometers, where precautions are in place. There are also teams in place to make sure uh, that whether it's hazardous, whether there's uh, who knows what uh, associated with the object, it be properly dealt with. And while neither country's leader is being fully transparent citing national security, it's also not believed there are any current threats. We are continuing to monitor. There are no active tracks today. But the professionals at NORAD will continue to do their important work. Whether these quick takedowns become new policy likely depends on whether more objects are located, as defense agencies become hypervigilant when it comes to objects that might have once been given a pass. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. In health matters tonight, Canadians are generally supportive of the federal government's medical assistance in death law. A new poll done by the Angus Reid Institute shows one in three Canadians support the current made law, which allows patients to request assisted death 
under very specific circumstances. But the same support is not seen with the proposed inclusion of mental health as the sole condition for requesting MAID, with only 31% supporting that addition. Since the original MAID law was passed in 2016, the number of people using the procedure each year increased tenfold to more than 10,000 in 2021. Well, you've likely heard of the field of dreams. What about the rink of dreams? Coming up, the Saskatchewan father-son duo going viral for their over-the-top backyard rink. Pink Shirt Day reminds us all to be kind, to lift each other up, to speak up for those who don't have a voice. The CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day, presented by Global BC and 980 CKNW. Visit our online store at pinkshirtday.ca. We haven't been outside no. since this morning, so... Looking out the window, it seemed beautiful, but then we got reports yeah. from people who actually stood out there that it got really cold in that wind. Yeah, it was an interesting day, that's for sure, because exactly right, there was blue sky sort of here and there, but there was a brittle cold uh, wind uh, coming out of the northwest, which I'll have more on in a second, but there was also these. So every once in a while there was a cell. There was a report in uh, Victoria. This was from Maple Ridge, and it was basically a very brief downpour. Uh, the temperature dropped significantly, almost looked like snow on the ground, and then it moved on, and then there was a little bit of blue sky. But we still do have a wind warning in effect. You likely felt that cold northwest wind today. Uh, so far, we have not seen gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour, but there's still the potential. Uh, but these are the wind warnings. So it, purple is a wind warning. These areas in green, a little bit less, 70 kilometer an hour winds. And that's just through the evening hours. Things are going to settle down overnight. But here's a look at where we're at right now. So we're seeing gusts up to about 78 kilometers an hour from Metro Vancouver. So it's mainly near the water. There is a chance we could still see power outages. There's a couple thousand without power, maybe delays in the ferries, but likely not. Uh, overall, as I mentioned, things are going to clear out. We've also had a bit of wet snow in the Malahat area, and that's going to clear out overnight. So sunshine on the way for tomorrow, but it's going to get very cold. We'll drop down to minus one overnight tonight, and we are expecting a frosty start to the day and warming up to only highs of about five degrees for Metro Vancouver. Staying below freezing in the Caribou Central Interior, two degrees in Kelowna and Kamloops, uh, sixes and sevens, fives across Vancouver Island, and for Metro Vancouver, we'll likely see highs of only five degrees but at least it comes with sunshine now on Wednesday we are expecting more cloud cover and so temperatures are going to remain cool so we've got two chilly days on the way before we start to warm up and the rainfall pushes back in tonight's center windows weather window coming to you from South Delta George uh, Jr. sending that to us from the weekend we had some beautiful sunsets over the weekend so thanks to George for sharing that with us okay you two back to you I feel like that picture needs Kenny G oh like yeah, a little. What does he play? The clarinet? No. no the what is it? Saxophone? So, I don't. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's so like musical. If, if it doesn't have, if it doesn't have drums and guitar, I don't know. <laughs> it it needs some sort of soft rock. Yeah. Yeah. Adult contemporary thing going on there. All right. If you ask young hockey players what they dreamed of as a kid, chances are the majority would say they wanted to play in the NHL. Some go to great lengths to achieve that goal. And Global's Brody Radcliffe spoke with a father-son duo who built their own rink of dreams. Nestled along the frozen landscape of Buffalo Pound Lake, you'll find what Dakota Koontz has dubbed the rink of dreams. Serving as both a training facility and hangout spot, it's helping fuel the dreams of a young goaltender. <laughs> when I'm older, I want to make the NHL 
hopefully be on a really good team. Hopefully we can get a Stanley Cup in the Bay. And Over the last four years, the father-son duo spent countless hours creating new features and brainstorming potential add-ons. Those include a mini-stick rink, warm-up shelter, a skating path, and if we're looking for some adrenaline, a GT trail. You always have big dreams growing up, and when you're out on the rink, you're always thinking, I'm going to make the NHL one day, so it just felt right, calling it the rink of dreams. The rink has captured the sights of the hockey world. The pair welcomed just over 26,000 followers on TikTok, along with posts from notable social media accounts. Yeah, it's pretty cool that one of my favorite leagues posted one of my videos, and hopefully I get to play for that league one day. Although they are father and son, a regular session on the rink comes with competitive banter. Last puck, man. I better get a goal here. I try to compete as much as I possibly can. I like to think that he'll never take me out. Both Tripp and Dakota are hopeful that in coming years, Tripp's name will be called at an NHL draft, bringing the goals they had to fruition on their rink of dreams. Brody Ratcliffe, Global News. Kids Looks got like some fun. skills. Looks like fun out there. Yeah, sure does. All right, um, Squire Barnes is here with a look ahead to sports. Hello. For some, hello. The rink of dreams is Rogers Arena, or mm -hmm. in this case, it's the rink of nightmares if you're mm -hmm. a Canuck fan. Anyway, uh, Luke Shen would love to stay with the Vancouver Canucks, but his name is being mentioned in trade rumors all around the league. You know, some guys in the league have a little bit more say of, um, you know, trade protection. Obviously, that's, that's not my card. So, uh, yeah, we'll just see how things play out. Well, the deadline is March 3rd. Chances of Shen staying with the Canucks, I think right now, are a bit low. Also ahead, Squire Super Bowl picks. Hi, I'm Oswald. Hi, Oswald. Well, not everyone can be a rock star in this special Monday edition of Super Bowl Debris. Back to the rink of dreams on hold well, for a lot of Canucks fans. Down the road dreams. For mm -hmm. decades and decades. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Vancouver Canucks have put goaltender Spencer Martin on waivers in hopes of sending him to Abbotsford. Although he will back up Colin Delia tonight as Detroit is in town. Second straight game against the Wings. Martin has lost his last 10 starts for the Canucks. But to be fair, Spencer Martin was not supposed to play as many games as he had this season. Uh, Thatcher Demko's injury forced Martin into a starting role. And let's be honest, he's not built to be a starting goalie. As for Demko, he is getting closer to returning. Well, Thatcher's getting, you know, he's, he's getting healthier and healthier. But, we, you know, unfortunately, we, we, we need some practices with him in the net. And so that's our goal is to get a couple more, three, four more practices with him in uh, before he comes back. But uh, he's getting close. Will Martin still back up tonight? Yeah, yeah, he'll be back up. Now, one thing that has been really noticeable of late, last three games especially, Rick Tockett has not put Andre Kuzmenko on the ice very much, which does kind of seem odd since his boss has just signed him to a new contract. But Tockett says it's all part of him teaching his guys his way of playing the game, and he needs Kuzmenko to be better defensively. I don't know why we, we shouldn't ruffle any. Like, it's, it's fine. we got to build a foundation for him. Yeah, he's... He's a good player, but there's aspects of his game 
to get where we want, we need him to be better uh, in the sense of his foundation. Um, he's a talented guy. I mean, I got to get him some situations where against the other team's weakness point of their team. I get that, but we got to build a foundation. It's a long-term thing with him. It's not a short-term. So this is a, this is a process with him. And I thought Brock, uh, the last three, four games, is, you know, he's kind of produced, uh, got in there and kind of helped PD a little bit. Now, Bo Horvat cannot be the final Canucks trade before the deadline. There should be others moved out to prepare the Canucks for the future. One likely candidate to be traded is defenseman Luke Shen, who is a popular teammate. But he's also a popular target for teams who are headed to the playoffs. Obviously, uh, you know, there's lots of chatter around the league, obviously, when you get this close to the trade deadline and um, things start to pick up. I mean, not my first time kind of going through a trade deadline. In his 15 seasons playing in the National Hockey League, Luke Shen has skated for seven different NHL teams. As the March 3rd trade deadline fastly approaches, his name is being linked to numerous teams who are either Stanley Cup contenders or potential playoff threats. But Luke's preference is to stay here in Vancouver for a couple of reasons. He loves being a Canuck, and more importantly, he's a devoted family man. Luke's wife is pregnant with the family's third child with the due date the exact same week of trade deadline. You know, most people in life don't have to, you know, think about, you know, probably moving, you know, whether going to have a baby and let alone, uh, you know, maybe move across town in the same city. Not this is, you know, you don't even know what country or state or province you're going to go to. And I think it's just logistically challenging because, um, you know, you get doctors and stuff you're dealing with and then obviously moving and finding a place. And, you know, we got two other kids as well, too. So the whole thing is, you know. It's, uh, it's kept us up at night at some times uh, on, on that front. The opportunity to win a third Stanley Cup is enticing to Shen because at age 33 and with over 900 career games under his belt, he knows his playing career is winding down, yet he also understands what a potential trade would mean to his home life. You know what? It, this is a, an interesting uh, situation just because actually the, with, our, with our second child we had in uh, Tampa Bay and you know, it was right in the start of COVID and then two months in I left, uh, you know, to go to the bubble and was, was gone for 90 days there. And uh, I left when he was two months old and came back when he was five months old. So I've already kind of left her high and dry with a newborn. So uh, definitely don't want to ha that to happen again. With quality, responsible veteran right-handed defensemen who are capable of playing heavy come playoff time in demand, Shen stock higher. He's also making a very team cap friendly $850,000. So if the Canucks decide to trade Chen, expect it to happen in the immediate future. Jay Janor, Global Sports. Boy, did Nick Taylor play great last week. Second in the Phoenix Open, Adam Hadwin, fellow Abbotsford Pro, 10th in the same tournament. They're both following in the footsteps of the previous generation of BC golf pros, like Victoria's Jim Rutledge, who today was put in the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. He successfully played mostly on pro tours outside the PGA during his career. Uh, I forgot the number, but actually our son was having a, um, a geographic uh, geography um, study going on at school. He was in probably in grade 7. And my topic came up of golf. Um, and so I started putting a pin everywhere on the map and it just became ridiculous. Actually, the only, the only couple of places that I really would have liked to have gone would have been South America, got to Panama. That's about as first South and uh, South Africa. But uh, a lot of the other places have been covered all the way through Dubai and, and that, but uh, there's a, there's a, it's a long list, but, uh, and I have yardage books to prove it.
Lions have signed Dominique Rimes to a contract extension through 2024. He uh, wanted to be traded if he didn't get a new deal, but he did. And it was a good deal for the Lions. He scored 11 touchdowns in what was his best CFL season in 2022. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Super Bowl debris is coming up next. It's Monday. Jordan Armstrong is here with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, any minute now, the Vancouver Park Board will rule on the Stanley Park bike lane. We'll have their decision at 11. Plus, the future of a popular festival in doubt as a major sponsor bows out. The Cherry Blossom Festival scrambling tonight to find a new presenting sponsor now that the old one, Coromandel Properties, has filed for creditor protection. Also, no major power outages due to the wind just yet, but if that changes, we'll have the very latest at 11. Sophie? All right, thanks, Jordan. Kind of feels like Friday around here because we have a special Super Bowl edition of Satellite Debris, Squire. Yes, we did run some Super Bowl commercials last Friday, trying to get ahead of ourselves. But here's a few more I don't think ran on the Canadian version of the Super Bowl. Here we go. up so fast it's like wi-fi on 5g home internet from t-mobile wait till you see tell me more tell me more one quid's all that you need tell me more tell me more don't you worry about speed i can't believe it it's just 50 bucks why pay more paying more sucks T Mobile can do. Tell me more. Tell me more. The Bush Guide Cold and Smooth Survival Skills. Three things are required in the great outdoors food, drink, and shelter. Hello, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. We're just dollars a day. You can help helpless animals find shelter. Wrong shelter, Sarah. Also, that's a wolf. Head for the mountains. Good night! Hey, corporate types, would you stop calling each other rock stars? You're a rock star. You are a rock star. Rock stars, please. You know what it takes to be a rock star? I've trashed hotel rooms in 43 countries. I was on the road since I was 16. I've done my share of bad things. Also, your share of bad things. We know that using Workday for finance and HR makes you great at your job. That don't make you a rock star. Oh, Ted in finance, you're a rock star. Hey, Liz in HR, can you do this? Unless you work with an actual rock star. You are a rock star. Thank you. Who's the new guy? Hi, I'm Oswald. Hello, Oswald. Give it up for Pam. Pam, you are a rock star. I wasn't going to say it.
welcome to Medford, Massachusetts, Duncan. Scenic Medford. Why travel when you're already there? That's our slogan. Can I help you with your order, please? Small black tea, no sweetener. You could have that, but like, why not sweeten your life up a little bit? I mean, you could choose to have no sweetness in your life or some joy. What would you like, ma'am? Joy or misery? Joy's good. You do want joy. Is that joy in the form of splendor or a joy in the form of equal? Just like no sweetness. You're insisting on darkness. Yes, please. Trying to help you live your best life. What the heck? Yeah. Welcome to Duncan, a new special. Duncan run medium or large coffee. Get a donut for an incremental dollar. Well, well, like, how can it be this inexpensive and well. good? No sugar. I'm just gonna have to just give you 10 munchkins. You look a little lost. One second, I'm trying to find the bagels. Do I look familiar? Oh. Should I be in it or you want I just want you. a self portrait? What are you doing here? Harris me if I Is like this friends. what you do when you say you want to work all day? I, I gotta go, guys. Grab me a glaze. <laughs> the king of all the donuts. You were saying you could really hear the Boston accent and yeah. Ben Affleck yeah. on that one, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, you're a rock star, Squire. You are a rock star. <laughs> no, you got to be a rock star to be a rock star. Well, of all of us, you're the only one who plays a musical instrument. Badly, but well, yes, that's true. Yeah. I've heard you play pencils on the desktop. Well, I'm, I'm a steering wheel drumming virtuoso. It's more than we are. We are the car singers. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Christy, final word on weather. Yeah, my favorite is that I've done my fair share of the bad stuff and your share, too. All right, we've got sunshine right. on the way for tomorrow. Temperatures tonight will drop down to minus one. So okay, stay warm, but enjoy the sun. All right, we'll do it. Thanks very much, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night. Good night, all.